You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 65. In this episode, the President's Advisory Council on Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahokiak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, we have someone with us who's a dear friend of the centers, a member of our board, and I am really excited to introduce her for our conversation this morning. Well, I am more excited than you, Dave. Oh, you are? Yes. Yeah. Because (laughs) Cheryl Pitluck is also a great friend and a leader at the Anaheim Vineyard Church, where her husband is senior pastor and has been an integral community partner for the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force from back when I was the administrator of the task force. She um, has been uh, the kind of volunteer that every organization um, loves to have because she's willing to do anything and she's willing to do it our way. You know, that is an amazing um, blessing, gift, um, resource, and talent for um, moving the community forward in addressing human trafficking issues. So welcome to our podcast on ending human trafficking, Cheryl. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I, I remember the the first year we had a Volunteer of the Year Award. We all voted for you, and yeah. we gave that to you. And then it was, after a while, it was like, well, we can't give it to her every year. <laughs> yeah. So, so when um, the President's Advisory Council on Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships came out with their report in April, um, one of the things that they recommended in order to build better partnerships to eradicate modern-day slavery was that the White House convene um, a a workshop, a one-day event to raise awareness and inspire action in local communities, particularly with the faith-based and neighborhood partnerships. And the purpose of that convening is to brainstorm ideas and share best practices. So... When I looked at that, we didn't make it out to D.C. to go to that, but we actually have a lot of experience, and we thought it would be helpful to look at how we have done that here in Orange County and hear from you as a volunteer, as a faith-based leader who is um, deeply involved in this neighborhood partnership with the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force. How does that work? And how have you experienced? What would you recommend? So we're going to dive into some um, interview questions about that. Sure. Okay. So we'll start off with, how did you become a volunteer at the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force? (laughs) Well, uh, through a, a friend on the East Coast who has been working in the area of human trafficking in Ukraine, I was introduced to the then administrator of the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force, Sandra Morgan. And uh, you invited me to attend the monthly general meetings 
And a few months in, I heard myself introduced as a member of the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force. And so that's how it happened. Yeah, we we just name it and and there you are. So um, name it, claim it. All you have to do is keep showing up. And I think that is really part of the the secret for people who want to get involved. You have to come. You have to be faithful. You have to show up all the time, not just for major events, but you really right. have to be be there all the time and be willing to do the things that don't get a lot of public attention. Right. Um, I would, I, this isn't on, on my list of questions I had for you, Cheryl, but one of the things, it just occurred to me, I wonder if you went back and looked at how many hours you have spent driving you drive um, our victims and survivors to appointments, uh, to counseling, to uh, all kinds of different things. Um, if you tried to figure out how many hours you have spent volunteering for the task force, would oh, you- uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I mean, it's 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 not even just the victim services. It's I happen to have a truck, so I drive the truck to pick up furniture donations and um, delivering the Christmas gifts when we're accumulating all those Christmas gifts during the Christmas project, you know, load up the truck and take them to Vanguard where we, Vanguard graciously, you know, gives us a room to accumulate all these gifts and sort them. And then there's just sitting at the computer, emailing people about events and just updating and coordinating so you just have to be willing to throw yourself into it, not to say that in order to volunteer you have to um, be able to spend hours and hours, but I think what you said is the key. Be willing to just do what needs to be done, yeah. not worry about uh, the glamorous aspect, whatever that might be. Just do what needs to be done. Well, I think you were part of the original team when we started doing a booth at the Orange County Fair. And yeah. I remember it was Cheryl and her truck and a couple of my students, and there we were setting it up, duct yeah. tape, duct tape, and a little bit of black tablecloth and yep. stuff yep. we borrowed from home so we could have that. And now that is an annual event. And the last two years, the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force booth at the fair got the blue ribbon. Yeah, it's very nice. I yeah. look back at what we did, which wasn't bad, but... Uh, but, it's definitely homemade. But it's definitely an example of how neighborhood and faith-based partnerships can build and create something that is sustainable and recognizable in the community. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because even even the aspect of storing that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the chances that an office building like CSP, which houses the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force, would be able to store that that stuff. So that's where churches and community groups come in. Okay, great. So tell me about how long you, how many years, and what kind of training did the task force provide for you? Okay, as far as how many years, I'm not even sure. What is it, like five years, six years? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Probably, let's see, I started in 2007. So in first part of 2008, is when yeah. I met your friend out in Washington, D.C. I was actually at um, at an event in Washington where I met him and then went and recruited you right away. 
So, so there, there you go. How long? And um, as far as training, it has really developed. Um, they have really worked hard on that aspect of providing training and education for uh, people that are involved. In the general meetings, as you know, um, they update on what's going on. It's a good opportunity to network and find out what other people are doing. But they bring in speakers monthly, um, representatives from law enforcement, uh, the district attorney's office, various NGOs, uh, directors of shelters, um, case managers that are working with the clients, uh, representatives of government like the Department of Labor. So you have an opportunity to learn a lot about a lot of aspects of human trafficking and, and um, what's involved in dealing with human trafficking. And then the volunteer meetings, um, which are also monthly, uh, provide an opportunity to get involved hands-on and again, there's a training aspect to each of those meetings. And then there's an all-day training that is required if you're going to actually work with the clients. Okay. So, so the, the community comes together and that training component is vital to getting everybody on the same page so Absolutely. that you can work well together. So then as a church leader um, at Anaheim Vineyard Church, how do you partner with the task force? Give us some um, examples. Well, there are individuals in my church that, like myself, are involved with the task force, have gone through the trainings and work with clients and work with the various events. But I also have volunteers in the church who work specifically with me when we're sponsoring an event on site. Uh, we have a clothing closet for the clients that is maintained by volunteers in our church, as well as a resource closet that has housewares and such. Um, and then our church helps to promote and support various events, like the Christmas party we've had at our church before. We've, um, we've had training events. So it's just a matter of making people within the church aware that there are a variety of ways that they can get involved that will fit their personalities and their schedules and such. So when you say we've had trainings at our church and we've had Christmas parties and things, um, I've been there. And what occurs to me when I look at that in the context of the task force, um, you brought the four P's to life for me. We talk about prevention, protection, prosecution, and partnership. And in partnership, we always want to see that through the best practice filter of expertise and resources. And I keep hearing how you bring your local church community resources to the table. You're storing stuff so that we can do the OC uh, fair every year. You're, you have the resource closet um, you use your facilities for community education. So I was there when you did a community education seminar and the classrooms were equipped with technology and the seats and you had volunteer staff to direct the community. So you didn't provide the expertise. You had 
um, Homeland Security and FBI and right. Victim Services do the teaching. But you hosted it, and you have an amazing gift for hospitality. And so I think sometimes people don't understand how important partnership is not to be the, the front, but to be the support for those yeah. kinds of activities. Now, when you talk about doing a Christmas party, is this a big event you invite the whole church to? No, no, no. This is actually a Christmas party for the clients. Um, the people that volunteer that work with the clients at the party have to be background checked. Uh, and then there the... It's kind of nice because if you walked into this party, you would not know who the clients were versus the case managers versus the volunteers because everybody's just mixing together and having a party. But the purpose of it is to provide family for the clients. Um, We have food. We have music. We play games. There are gifts and prizes and such. It's just a nice holiday party for a group of people that might otherwise not have a family to do that with. So um, now I'm looking at the process here, and I heard you say um, background checks. So to be a volunteer and work directly with survivors, then there are some requirements if you're going to be a community partner. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what does that look like? Well, it's, it's about safety for the clients. So, number one, they have to be uh, formally background checked with the fingerprinting and the whole deal. Um, But also, there has to be training involved to understand um, just how to be sensitive, how to be sensitive to the clients, Um, what to do and what not to do. And uh, the task force makes an effort to make sure that as volunteers, we have somebody to turn to anytime we have questions or problems or get overwhelmed. I've had a situation where I picked up a client who I met for the very first time, and she just immediately dumped her whole story on me. And it was an incredibly tragic story. And afterwards, I called her case manager and said, oh, my gosh, you know, and I just kind of needed to talk to someone because you can't just talk to people about this. You know, it's private. It's, it's part of a confidentiality agreement. So, so what's yeah, that? There, there what's that? Training You're talking about confidentiality agreement. What do you mean? Uh, you, it's, the clients need to be protected. Number one and foremost, we need to protect the clients. Mm-hmm. So you cannot divulge information that you receive from the clients or from the case managers to anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's kind of a no brainer. It's like, no, this is, this is privacy. This is protection. This is safety. Don't talk about it. So that's why once you have in your, by, as a, as by virtue of being a volunteer and helping someone, then, um, you just need to talk about it, that we're all human, it's human nature. And so in our neighborhood partnerships, then we have a plan with our task force so that you have someone that you can talk to that is um, going to maintain the the confidentiality for that survivor. 
That's really important. And if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, what does that look like? A copy of our confidentiality MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, is on the OCHumanTrafficking.org website under resources. And you can download that and use that as an example for your task force, your coalition, or your neighborhood partnership. Because confidentiality to protect survivors is key to being able to sustain a viable um, neighborhood partnership. When people break confidentiality, um, sometimes those cases are ongoing. Um, sometimes the perpetrators have not been apprehended. And so you actually put the survivor at risk for retribution. So it's confidentiality is, is more than just it's, um, it's a value judgment not to talk about people. It is critical to the safety and the, um, the future of, of our survivors that we work with. Sorry, I get excited about the fact that we do such a good job here in Orange County of that. So, Hey, Sandy, that actually brings up a point for me, and I'm so glad for this conversation because I've already learned so much about the work Cheryl's doing that I wasn't aware of. Uh, so thank you, Cheryl, for all the work you've put in. And I'm, I'm also curious, you know, you mentioned that locally here, we just have this great task force that's so engaged with the community and really is working on partnerships. What about in other areas where people may or may not have a task force like that? Um, are there task forces like this in other parts of the country? And if not, what would be the best first step for a faith-based organization that really has a heart for this and wants to reach out and partner with other organizations that could be helpful in supporting victims and supporting prevention? Do you have an answer for that, Cheryl? Uh, you probably have a better answer than I do. Well, let me hear yours first. Well, what I tell people in our denomination, because I'm on the um, steering committee for the Vineyard Justice Network, and we function as a resource, so people will email or call us and say, what can I do? Um, find someone who is already doing it and doing it well. Um, and And partner with them or learn from them. If you don't have a task force per se, find um, an organization that is uh, doing it. Uh, Go to your local law enforcement and ask for references. Is there someone that you know of that's doing it? Um, I know for a fact that if you email the Global Center for Women and Justice and say, I'm serious about this, I really want to do this, that you will get an answer. Uh, the, the trick is to not just dive in not knowing anything. You need, to, you need to learn, you need to educate yourself, and you need to find people that know what they're doing. That's such good advice. We don't need to recreate the wheel. And there are resources for finding who's doing something in your area. And because this is such a global issue, um, more and more organizations are officially taking this on where they already have the infrastructure. They already have the best practice um, policies and guidelines. World Relief has uh, uh, um, representatives in all the major regions in the U.S. as well as globally. Um, we have Polaris Project. You can go on their website and find out if there is already a coalition meeting in your area you can go to um, Homeland Security and Department of Justice to look for task forces. 
there are so many opportunities. I was recently out in Kansas and, City. And the hotline can be helpful for this too, if yes, I'm remembering, right? That's right. You can call the 888-3737-888 number and um, they will help get you connected in your area. Sandy, as well. what was that number again? <laughs> what was it, Cheryl? <laughs> Yes, uh-huh, 888-3737-888. Good it number is for the all of us National Human Trafficking Resource Center. So it's not just a hotline, it is a resource center, and they have amazing, valuable resources that will help inform your community partnerships. And I know we've mentioned it on the show before, Sandy, but I think it's it's great to repeat, uh, especially for those who may be picking up in this episode for the first time, is that that is not just a, uh, a you know, a, a rescue hotline. I mean, right. it, it is that, but it's also many more things you can call and just be get connected with other people who are already have, have invested time into building partnerships and resources around uh, ending this issue. And so it's a, that's a great place to start too. It really, it really is. Good. And the, um, the other thing that you mentioned, you know, getting informed, getting educated, those kinds of things. We have a resource page um, on our Global Center for Women and Justice website that will link you to some of the very best um, training resources like the Blue Campaign, um, Homeland Security, uh, set that up, Um, Health and Human Services. How do you respond as a community member if you're a nurse in an emergency room? Well, there's training materials available for you. And of course, you can go back and listen to other podcasts on subjects that particularly you're interested in. So Vineyard had a conference recently, and I sat at the table with you. Um, You talked about a lot of other ways of beginning to combat human trafficking from the faith-based perspective. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, my personal um, view is that the key, the most important aspect is prevention. Mm Mm-hmm. If you, uh, if you consider the fact that um, at-risk populations are, uh, need to be the focus, then that opens up a whole lot of venues. I mean, it can be everything from developing a mentoring program at a junior high or high school where there are a lot of at-risk youth to um, speaking to various youth groups, um, obviously community events that provide education and awareness. Um, I just feel that, that, that we're never going to get a handle on, on human trafficking unless we can hit it from the prevention a- aspect instead of always chasing after the bad guys and rescuing the victims. So um, how does this impact your church? Um, you know, it took about two years before I think people really saw it as an integral part of our church, not just some sort of optional side issue. Um, But I think that probably the most important aspect is that it's opened people's eyes to um, the needs around them because all of the issues that are involved with human trafficking and that really cause human trafficking, poverty, gender inequality, racial inequality, all of those issues start to come to light when you look at human trafficking 
and it opens up a lot of avenues for churches to get involved in the community serving um, people in need and people at risk. Uh, So we have specific events that people can be involved in, but there's also ministries that have come about as a result of uh, our being involved with the task force and with the Global Center for Women and Justice. So this has really become organic. It's part of who your, your church identity in the community. Right. Yeah. That. So you like you even have resources on your website because I know you have some links back to the Global Center for Women and Justice. Yes. Yes. Um, if you go to our website and look under the advanced search menu, click on human trafficking, it uh, directs you to the Global Center for Women and Justice podcast. Um, to our Vineyard Justice Network website, which is a resource for vineyards around the United States and obviously for anybody who wants to go there. Um, The Facebook uh, Vineyard Anti-Slavery Team page, uh, various papers that have been written on topics relating to human trafficking, organizations that you can check into, get involved with, as well as getting involved with the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force. So, and what's that website? For your, um, your the pe- Vineyard Anaheim. Just Google Vineyard Anaheim. Okay, okay. Very good. So it sounds to me like you're in this for the long haul. So you didn't just set up, we're going to focus on human trafficking for 2013. You know, I, I, I'm always surprised if I hear of somebody that's been involved and then has sort of dropped out. Uh, because once you are involved. I don't know how you can exactly turn your back on it. Um, And what I mentioned before, it's like my stepping into the area of human trafficking led me into awareness about uh, how poverty affects people. It's not just a matter of not having enough food or money. Um, it, It led me into more awareness about gender inequality, and how that affects human trafficking. So even if, if you didn't end up specifically focused on human trafficking five years down the road, ten years down the road, there's so many ways that you can be involved that still affect the issue of human trafficking. It's pervasive, and you are an example of making a difference at the cellular level right there in your own neighborhood and the people that you you reach out to. You guys have amazing demand reduction strategies. I even love it. A lot of times we talk about what could be done, but when I went to your church, um, all the coffee being served was fair trade coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, making the connection between what's happening on on. Um, coffee plantations in other parts of the world and wanting to be sure that we're not creating demand for products made with um, unpaid slave labor and just recognizing the human dignity of another person becomes part of the identity of your your church. Um, And and that's a simple way that people can get involved because we do carry fair trade gift items and products in the store And uh, I have found people love receiving a gift and knowing that it was made by a rescued trafficking victim in India or a women's co-op 
in the Philippines or whatever, it's really nice to give a gift, receive a gift, knowing that good is being done. Well, the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force and the Global Center for Women and Justice have received a gift by having Cheryl Pitluck um, as one of our team members. And there is a, um, a sense that there's an overlap that, and that overlap between the, um, our academic institution, a, a faith-based organization, your church, and then a federally funded task force. That's where a neighborhood partnership really is an example of why they um, have this new initiative with the faith-based office and neighborhood partnerships in the White House. And we want to encourage more of that and see the model that has grown here in Orange County be adopted in other places. And it's a great example of partnership that we've talked about a lot of times on the show, Sandy, and we're going to keep talking about it because it is so important. No one person or one organization can do this alone, nor should do it alone, because we all have different talents, resources, gifts that we can offer. And it's like the uh, the large uh, uh, pitati, my yeah, big jug your from jug, Greece. You know, yeah. grabbing, everyone has a piece of the handle. No one can carry it by themselves. And so um, I think the, that Cheryl's example is just a wonderful one of that. And and beyond just Cheryl, her, her organization, her church, the work she's done, uh, just just a wonderful, faithful example of how this can work really, really well in practice. We appreciate you, Cheryl Pitluck, and your service to the Global Center for Women and Justice, your service to the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force. And we know that if we have more Cheryl Pitlucks, we really will be effective in ending human trafficking. And I do, Thank you. I do want to mention one of the things that Cheryl said on the show here is that we can also be a starting point for you. So if you are looking for resources, tools that would be helpful to make that first connection, uh, we may be able to help. And so please drop us a line at our email address, gcwj at vanguard.edu. That's a great starting point. You can also call us and talk with Alexis at our office. And that number is 714-966-6360. And another way, Sandy, for folks to find out just what's going on currently uh, is, and maybe not like sending an email or calling, but just to monitor what's going on is to actually hop on our Facebook page. Yes. And so if you go to facebook.com slash V-U-G-C-W-J, that stands for Vanguard University Global Center for Women and Justice, or just search for Global Center for Women and Justice on Facebook, you will be able to connect with us and we'll keep you up to date on what's happening, the current stuff. That's Yeah, that's, uh, like great. us on Facebook and then it'll be in your news feed and you'll see when there's a big case or when there's news that will impact your community. See you all in two weeks. Take care.